what I'd like to start out, we're going to look in Deuteronomy in just a moment. You can go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at about three or four scriptures to begin with after I share with you something here at, uh, at our opening. We'll look in Deuteronomy 32 in just a moment. You can go ahead and turn there. Um, I'd like to do this. I want to just kind of do something here. Um, to get our attention, kind of get our minds to be thinking where we're going. So this statement here says, Conducir un camión Ford es seguro. All right, so let's just imagine that you drove in here on Sunday and uh, you have your, your cool Ford truck you pulled in. Actually, Ed's got a pretty cool Ford truck. He pulls in and it's on, after Sunday morning and Ed stays a little longer and um, he's been uh, he's chatting with people and and he had he just got this brand let's just say it's Ed here he just got this brand new Ford truck and then you know some of the Spanish ministry they're coming in already because Ed's staying around a long time and they pull in and they say man look at that Ford look at that Ford truck that's a nice truck and another guy sees it and he, he doesn't really he doesn't speak a lot of English some of our some of our uh, Spanish ministry members are bilingual. And, uh, but one of the guys that been attending, he sees that truck and he's, he can't speak much English. So he gives, he gives Ed, he gives Ed a note, and it says this on that, and he leaves, and he goes his, and he goes into the building, and Ed gets in his truck and he has to go home, and Ed's thinking, what did this guy say? What is this? I don't know what in the world this says. And then so Ed comes to Sunday night service and he says, Pastor. I know you're Anglo and you weren't uh, <laughs> grew up speaking Spanish, but can you give this a shot for me? What, what does this mean? Conducir un camión Ford es seguro. And I say, okay, Ed, you want to know what that means? Well, which translation do you like best? Which translation do you like best, Ed? Driving a Ford truck is safe. This guy said something to you. You want to know what it is, right? Driving a Ford truck is risky? Or driving a Ford truck is manly? Now, oh, now I'm going to ask all of us, <laughs> which translation do we like? Number two. Number two is risky. Okay. Which trend, anybody else, which translation do you like? It's a Ford, it's risky. All right. Everybody like who anybody like number number one? Like that? Okay. Anybody like number three? It's manly. Ed likes number Ed likes number three. All right. So this guy's communicating to Ed something here. So driving a Ford truck is something, okay? And, and Ed wants the translation, and you're wanting the translation, I can tell. And I'm asking you, which translation do you like? And some of you tell me one, more of you tell me two, a few of you tell me three. 
The fact is, that's the wrong question to ask. It doesn't matter which translation you like, right? See, this kind of appeals to us if we don't like Fords, and I'm not picking it, I don't really care if you like Ford, but if you don't like Ford, oh, I, want, I want it to say this, or if I don't like Ford trucks, or if, if I want to boost something of how I feel about it, I, want it, I hope it says, uh, I want it to say this. If it actually says this, and it just says this because it says this. It's not because it cares of what we want. So what I use that example of is because that is an example uh, of how the mentality is right now in our country about Bible translations. They're asking, so for me to ask you that question is really absurd. What translation do you like? If you're doing uh, business with somebody and they're speaking a foreign language and you have a translator, he's not going to ask you what translation you like as far as what, how do you want. They're just going to tell you. But in the Bible version translation things, particularly in America and in the English-speaking world, it's okay, they think, to say, which do you like? Which translation do you like? And what I'm saying, my point is, is that it doesn't matter. So God, God has spoken to us. He said something to us. He said it in Hebrew and Greek and a few places in Aramaic in the book of Daniel. He, he said something, and most of us don't read Hebrew and Greek. And, and we've gotten to the point in America where we're thinking, well, I just, I'm going to read something. If I like it, that must be the right thing. When the question is, it doesn't matter what translation I like, what is the truth? I'm interested in the truth, and that's what I want to buy into. Whether it's my style or the content makes me, you know, appeals to my bias about something being risky or me being manly, that doesn't matter. What did God say? And I just need to accept it. And, and so that men, so here's what I'm saying is the mentality of saying, I like certain translations can lead, that mentality can lead you into error. The mentality of saying, God, I know God said something in Hebrew and Greek. I just want to know what he said. I just want to know. I'm interested in truth. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to look at seven topics. You look at the top there, or pardon me, on the, the front page here. I want to just give you an overview of the topics we're going to look at. And I, don't, I did not give you like detailed outline. I just basically gave you a title to our discussion. The first thing we'll talk about is, do I care about truth? Do I care about truth? And that's kind of the thought I've already introduced to us today. The second thing that we'll discuss is, why should I even care about scripture translations? Some people get to where it's like, oh yeah, all these Bibles, ah, who cares about that? You know, I'm just going to get one, or I'm just going to pick one. Or Why should I even care about a Bible translation or scripture translation issue? And by the way, the reason I'm, I'm even speaking about this is because I feel obligated as a pastor to shepherd us in this deal. Number three, this is a good question, how did the scriptures even come to us? Of course, it came to us in at least two major phases, the Old Testament, New Testament. We'll, we'll just step back and consider that. That's number three. How, number four, how did the English scriptures come to us? 
This is the King James Version is not the first English translation. And uh, it'd be good to know how it came about. It certainly wasn't the last one. Number five, why should I use the King James Version? And this is what I commend to our, to our church. And we'll, we will um, bring some, I believe, reasonable reasons. Actually, under that, number five, why should I use the King James Version? I'm going to give us misguided reasons. Some people use, do something good for really not sound reasons. There's some misguided reasons for using this that people verbalize and I think are bad logic. So we'll look at that. There's, then there's primary reasons. That's what we'll look at. That's kind of the heart of this. Primary reasons, we'll use, we use this as our standard in English. And then there's, I would call, secondary reasons to keep using it. There are some reasons. They're not the biggest ones, but they're other kind of benefit, blessings, other good reasons that are secondary for us using it. So that's all number, under number five, Roman numeral five. And then number Roman numeral six, those are other particular points about translations that I want to just discuss. And then at the back there, number seven, I just threw out some sample differences between the Greek text. Notice I didn't say between the Bible versions. I do have the translation of some of it. But the, the big problem, the, one of the big problems in modern English, translate, modern English Bibles, the, the underlying problem is the text they use. And it's expressed by the translation. Translation is another problem because there's different styles. So we'll look at that. Um, and I just want to create some familiarity and awareness there for us. So let's just go and consider this thought tonight on your inside page if you want to take notes. Our introduction to our... our uh, this part of our ser this series, do I care about truth? Do I care about truth? You know, you'll buy something that you really care about. You'll put money into it, you'll, or you'll, you'll expend attention, you'll expend energy, you'll buy into something you care about. Let's, get, let's, look, at this, some, let's look at three uh, four passages. I only put three of them on there. Deuteronomy, notice Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is called the Song of Moses. Is probably some of the last words he said. Um, among the last words he said, certainly the ones that were recorded. Notice what he says, chapter 32, verse 4. He, referring to God, is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Notice he's called a God of truth. That's what God is called. Go to Psalm 31.5. Psalm Jesus actually said this on the cross. This is originally a psalm of David. Jesus said the first part of it. Psalm 31.5, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. God is a God of truth. Right? I'm sorry, Psalm 30, that's Psalm 31, verse 5. Psalm 31.5. All right, God of truth. Now notice um, Proverbs 
<coughs> Proverbs, tw Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy, it means expend <laughs> something in order to get truth, in order to uh, apprehend and hold on to truth. And on the contrary, don't give up truth so that you have something of benefit to you. What is there beneficial if you're giving up truth for it? What benefit can you have if you're giving away truth? All right, so buy the truth is what it says. <clears throat> so God is called the God of truth. We're told to buy the truth. I'll quote John 17, 17. This is Jesus' prayer. Sanctify them, referring to the disciples, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Um, truth means fact. It means authentic. means reality. It means without error, not nonfiction is truth. Um, so many of us were interested in everything but the truth. We're interested in fiction and fable and fairy tale and made up stories. And, and I'm not saying there's a place for something to, for you to be entertained or, or to imaginative, but sometimes they have, people are very much interested in everything but the thing that's in your lap, which is truth. That's truth. It's like, man, I have a hard time being, um, I have a hard time following God. I have a hard time, well, being sanctified. Well, we're sanctified through the truth. God's word is truth. Thy word is truth, it says. All right, so a couple of, the, let's just have some, some thoughts here I want to share with you, and then we'll want to answer one particular question. Um, Paul was interested in, in the accuracy of, of God's word. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.2. 2 Corinthians 4.2. And we'll, we'll just get the, the whole sentence. So we'll begin in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. One of the things Paul's saying in this, he says, you know what, I am not, I'm not about uh, trickery, I'm not about, you know, uh, showmanship and hype and about craftiness, handle the word of God to say, Paul's like, I'm just interested in the absolute truth about, what does he say? Manifestation of the truth. Just let the truth be um, revealed. Manifestation of the truth, commending every man's, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul was interested in accuracy. Interested in accuracy. What kind of fields of study is it important to have accuracy? What kind of fields of study is it important to have accuracy? What's that? Medical. Medical. Yeah. Um, there was a girl who had brain surgery in Bible college, I remember, that I went to school with. And uh, they started prepping the wrong side. She says, no, it's this side. They said, no. She goes, no, it's this side. <laughs> checked with the doctor. Let's get that accurate. Did they do something like that to Sonia or anything? They make sure it's this this side, not this. Yeah. 
Accuracy. Well, even when, I mean, that's on, that's, yeah, I mean, accuracy is important in the medical field. Where else is it important? Precision. Things are precise. Where is it not? I mean, it's, I mean, it's important in so many things, obviously. I mean, uh, tech, on technical things, tech, a lot of our technology. So here's what I'm saying. All right. So you're like, Pastor Henry, come on, just, you know, I, that's a funny illustration. Ha ha, Pastor Henry. But you know what? It's just easier to understand. Come on, man. I got this Bible version. It's easier to understand. And just leave me alone. Well, what good is, if something's false or inaccurate, what good is it that you can understand it? Oh, yeah. You might understand something that's inaccurate. I under, you understand something, and it's kind of a skewed version of what God really said. So, don't, I mean, obviously, is it important we understand? It's important we understand English. It's more important we understand you. And sometimes you have to step it up and learn this English a little bit. It's important you understand. And I don't think it's beyond the typical English-speaking person to be able to understand this English, which is not Old English nor Middle English. It's mo middle. It's a early modern English, this is called. You know what's hard English? Um, or a hard... <laughs> How many of you have, does anybody have in your Bible, not the preface of the King James Version, but the, there is a preface, a, there is translators to the reader, not the one page thing where it dedicates it to King James. Does anybody have the translators to the reader in your Bible right now? Okay. I've read, how many of you read through that? That is hard to, that is hard to understand. I had to block, I got my kids out, it was quiet, I was at night, I was turning on the light, and I like focused, and I read, it was like 10 pages or something, where they, the King James translators are explaining what they're doing. They're explaining their mentality versions. Now, these guys are Church of England guys. A few of them, I think, were Puritans, which mean we're the conservative type Church of England. Um, I've, it appears they're all believers. They were not Catholic, and they'll tell you that in there, in there. but they're explaining their, you know, what they're doing. And I'm going, man, these, this is hard. And these are the guys, that was their modern language of that day. But when they translated the actual, man, I can understand the Bible they, better than them. I really can. Um, so, so the, uh, that, well, it's easier to understand. That, don't get like that. That's a, we get this American mentality of, uh, give me some entertainment, you know. Give me a comic book version of the Bible. or I'm not saying anything wrong with pictures, but give me kind of the dumbed-down version. Well, um, then you might stay that way too long. So, okay, the accuracy of a translation is more important than the literary style. Today, now I want you to, I'm trying to create an awareness in our mind. Today, again, remember, we're in America. There's kind of this uh, consumerism, and there's this, there's this, uh, Please the customer mentality constantly. Please the customer, please the customer, please the customer. Please the customer is pretty good for business. If you're running a restaurant, if you're running a, another type of business, you know, please the customer, that's fine. But when you're dealing with something that's God's uh, goods, God's goods are God's goods. I can't change them to try to make, to please the customer. And so we're living in a day where the Bible translations and Bible publishers cater more to the reader than to the accuracy of the text. 
Okay, so back to that thought. I told you, the, I told you about the translators to the reader. Remember I told you like it's about 10 pages of that? Okay, I read through that, man, and I, and I tried to underline some things that I thought were interesting because I wanted to get what they were saying. In fact, I know it's in that one, Dad. It's in yours right there. Um, mine, it's not in. But here's one thing I like that they said. They said, <clears throat> we're not, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase them. <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase them. They basically said, we're not, gonna, um, we're not going to be biased and translate the, they named some words. We're not going to try to adapt these certain words to please the Church of England. Um, nor are we going to say these certain words like the, they call them the Papists or the Romist, Romanists. They mean, they're talking about the Catholic Church. We're not going to translate it this way be, to please the Romanists and the, uh, the, Ro, the Papists. But then they said this, quote, we want to translate the Scripture, quote, we desire that the Scripture may speak like itself. I like that statement. Let it speak like itself. So in other words, when somebody says, I don't like the style of this, well, do you realize that the Bible is even has varied styles in it? Moses, there's a style in Moses. There's a, there's a style of the Psalms. And then the psalmists themselves might have a different style. There's a few psalmists. There's a style of Peter. And Peter even has two different styles. First Peter and Second Peter are actually two little bit different styles. And liberal scholars question if he wrote Second Peter. And there's a, something we like to say about that later in another lesson. Paul has a style. Luke has a style. Matthew has a style. Mark has a style. John has, definitely has a style. And then you translate that and just let it be what it is. And that's why I like, I mean, that's why we commend and we say this is, that's one good mark is that they wanted to translate the scripture that it may speak like itself. So here's, a, here's what I want to ask. We'll ask this question, answer it, and we'll wrap, try to wrap it up. Why must I care about the truth? Why must I buy the truth? Number one, because that's who God is. God is truth. He's a God of truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the more I know Scripture, the more I know Him. Why should I care about the truth? Secondly, because I will go astray without the truth. I'll go astray. See, if, I, if that guy told me this, but I like this, and I like this, and I went my way, and he was, you know, some had some insight on Ford trucks that nobody else had, then I might go astray. I'm like, oh, there's something risky here I didn't know about. And so if, I, if I'm not interested in the truth, I could go, Jesus says you do err not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God. I'll go astray in my beliefs and in my behavior. Number three, why should I care about truth? Because it is disputed within the Scripture translation issue even within communicating the scripture truth is disputed truth is challenged look in 2nd Corinthians 2 17 2nd Corinthians 2 17 <clears throat> Paul says for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God but as of sincerity 
as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Paul's apparent, I don't know how this was in particular, but apparently even in Paul's day, there were some who, what did he say, corrupted the Word of God. Okay, you corrupt the Word of God. I, guess, I suppose you can corrupt it by the way you speak it. You can certainly corrupt it in when it gets copied and it's changed and it's corrupted. And so, um, so we, we care about this issue because even there, even among, you know, all, you know, it's like if, thing, if, there, if, if something all re- gets one language, you've got English Bibles and they're all reading, I guess I know, I'll admit, I mean, I, you'll hear me say this, that the gospel's there, you can read and grow in the Lord in some of these translations, but there's certain spots that are just not accurate and certain that are left out. And uh, I want to know the truth. Jesus says, I need to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I should care about the truth. Um, and then I'll just say this. I'll just quickly say this. On, on the next page, we'll look at why should I care about in particular scripture translations. And I have several answers. Here's the first three, because God has spoken. He said something. <laughs> so when I care... You know, what did he say? Number two, because he promised to preserve those things he said. And number three, here's why we should care about Scripture translation. Because there is, I'm not making this up, there is an adversary who opposes specifically God's words. Specifically opposes those things. And so, then I wanna, if, if he hates that, then I better take heed to that thing. So, um, so we're going to go through this in the days, in the Wednesdays ahead and, and um, ask God to guide us and direct us.